fourth quarter comeback, your favorite football podcast covering everything from the NFL to fantasy football to the against the spread and everything in between. I am your host, Six Pack Pat O'Connor, flying solo, unfortunately, once again today. Rick is away, so let's get right to it. It should be a short but fun one. First up, we have the New England Patriots. They took down the Kansas City Chiefs 43-40 in one hell of a shootout this week. It's a great game, unfortunately, for Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, even though they were taking the top off of the defense. And Tyreek Hill was burning them down the field for some touchdowns. And the New England Patriots picked up the win, so that leads us to the question, are the Patriots, once again, the favorite in the AFC? With Tom Brady going off for 340 yards, he had a touchdown, no picks. He was pretty even with Mahomes for stats. Obviously, Mahomes was throwing more touchdowns, but he also threw more picks. I like the running game that New England has right now. James White, Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle is really impressing me lately at his third straight game with over 100 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. I like what I'm seeing from New England's offense. They're putting it together in the run game. They're able to supplement Brady and the passing game perfectly. You see, Josh Gordon is coming on very strong. I feel like he's going to be one hell of a weapon going forward for the Patriots and Belichick to use this season. Once Brady starts clicking with Gordon, he's going to be finding him in the end zone every week. While that might take away a few big plays for Gronk, that's just going to leave him that much more open. Edelman's going to be running all over the field. You still have Hogan as a viable threat here and there. That said, not so fast, my friend. To me... The Patriots coming out of the AFC completely relies on one thing and one thing only, and that's if they are playing at Gillette in January. If New England is home, then they will be in yet another Super Bowl. However, if they cannot clinch home field advantage all the way through the playoffs, then I don't think they're going to be able to get it done. I don't see them traveling west and beating some teams like the Chargers. I don't see them taking out Kansas City at Arrowhead, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, all these teams, AFC West teams and the AFC North teams. They're both capable of taking out New England at home. A couple of them do have the potential to take down New England at New England. So listen, I like Kansas City. I like Kansas City in Arrowhead first and foremost. They're first in points, third in yards. They just have one hell of a home field advantage. Brady's not going to be able to hear himself think, let alone put together a game plan and execute it on the field. So if they go to Kansas City, Pat Mahomes is going to be fired up. He's not going to be throwing as many picks as he did in this past game. I like Kansas City. I like the Chargers. If the Chargers manage to win the AFC West, then clearly things are clicking. They're fifth in points and yardage. They're a middle-of-the-pack defense right now, but that's without Joey Bosa. They're doing all this stuff right now without their best player on defense and possibly the whole team. So wait for Bosa to come back. And I like the Chargers a lot to step up and they could end up clinching home field. And if they do, I don't see a way New England's coming over to L.A. and beating the Chargers. Phillip Rivers is hungry. He is just ready and he wants it bad. He knows that his legacy is on the line he doesn't have much longer to go he knows Eli has a couple of Super Bowls he knows Roethlisberger has a couple of Super Bowls he cannot afford for his legacy's sake 
to be the guy with the fucking bad attitude and the bolo tie that never won a Super Bowl from that draft class. So Rivers is going to step it up. Kansas City is going to step it up. Baltimore always plays hard. They could go to New England and win, but for New England to go to Baltimore, that's a tough task. Baltimore has the number one defense in the league right now. They're a top 10 offense. I like Baltimore a lot. They're just a dangerous overall team when they're working. And the dual quarterback set is actually really intriguing because they can get a lot of stuff done and show a lot of different looks. With Flacco with the arm and Lamar Jackson with the legs, I feel like that's a potentially potent offense that they've barely scratched the surface yet. So I'm looking forward to see what they do. If Harbaugh can dial up the right game plan, it's going to be good in Baltimore. And Pittsburgh, Bell, who the hell knows where Bell is. But one thing is for sure, Bell is not in the Pittsburgh headquarters. He has not showed up at the stadium. We'll see whenever he does. And if he does, that is an automatic boost. So if Bell shows up and they have the tandem of Bell and Connor and Roethlisberger is finally hitting Antonio Brown the way he should be, Smith-Schuster, he is potentially the best second receiver in the league right now. So there is a lot of potential. Let's not go crowning New England just yet. If New England gets to play at Gillette all the way through the playoffs, then I do like their chances because they play hard. They have that winter environment. Belichick knows how to get the guys riled up, game plan well for it. I do like their odds if they're at home. But if they have to travel for a championship game, I think they're going to be taking an early exit. For what it's worth, though, that New England offense might be able to take out any team in the league. Next up, that brings us to the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dallas crushed the Jags. I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know who didn't show up, who didn't take their vitamins that morning, but they beat the Jags 40-7. to Yes, officially let that sink in. The Cowboys beat the Jags 40-7. to Dak and Zeke both ran very well. Finally, they got Dak running on the ground. That's what he needs to be doing. He needs to be a mobile quarterback. Not always running, but he does so good when he's improvising. When he's extending the play, you need to scare the defense to keep them on it. That's what's missing. They crowd the box for Zeke, but Dak should be able to roll out and get the ball to his players. To me, as I said last week, it's not too much of a surprise. I don't think they're going to be like a 13-3 and team, but I do think that they are going to win the East. So it wasn't too much of a surprise to see Dallas put on a good show. I do believe in them. They're 3-0 and at home. They're 0-3 away. They're going to need to find a way to pick up those close wins on the road and keep it going at Jerry World. Because if that offense starts living up to that defense right now, which is nuts to say, it's always kind of surprising which side of the ball shows up every year for Dallas. This year, the defense. Tank Lawrence is a beast. He is one of the best guys out there on the defensive line. He is very underrated. I do like what I'm seeing from Dallas. Right now, they're in second place with 3-3 three and three tied with the Eagles. And they're just behind the Redskins, who are 3-2 and two since they had a bye week. I do like Dallas to jump ahead. I see them winning the division. That said, let's look at the other side of the ball. And let's see, what about the Jags? Are the Jags still the favorite in the AFC South? After a drubbing like this, you can't just clear-cut say, well, they have the defense, Blake Bortles, they got annihilated 
Jalen Ramsey, you need to open your mouth, okay? When you want to talk all the time to all these receivers, whenever they're just running around, playing your little games, calling people out, that's fine. But when you get just crushed and you look like absolute shit, you need to man up to it. I'm not saying you have to be happy, but you have to man up. You can't just, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Put your happy fucking fedora on next time. Answer the questions the right way and say, we're going to come out, we're going to take this as an example, and we're going to crush the next motherfuckers that come across our path because we're not going to deal with this embarrassment anymore. Show some fire. Don't be a little bitch about it. That said, the main way to beat the Jags right now, I would have to say, is running the ball. Teams that are running the ball 30-plus times are beating the Jags. If you're under that number, you're not beating the Jags. So clearly, an effective running game is what is going to take down Jacksonville. The problem with that in the AFC South is the AFC South running backs are generally pretty dismal. The Houston Texans have Lamar Miller. He's been hurt anyway, and he's nothing special right now. Alfred Blues is back up. He's serviceable. So there's really not a big deal as far as running in Houston. Indy. You have Naeem Hines, you have Marlon Mack, you have just nothing really special. You have some decent players, but once again, nothing that's blowing you away in the running game. The best running attack, I would have to say, would be you have Derrick Henry, you have Deion Lewis, you have Marcus Mariota. That's the thing. You have a mobile quarterback, and that's what could drive them. That's the team that beat them. 9-6, to six, it wasn't a big scoring game, but... Yes, the Titans beat the Jags. So that could be the one team that can answer the call as far as running the ball down their throat. That said, the best running back in the division is Leonard Fournette. That's a big part of why the Jags haven't been performing as well as they can on offense. Blake Bortles is good for a couple of big games all season long. He's used up a couple of those already. So I don't see much coming from Bortles. Yeldon, I understand that there are some stats out there that make it look like the Jags play better without Fournette. Let's just disabuse you of that notion right now. Fournette is a stud running back. When he is on the field, he's one of the best out there. You want the guy to play. So once he comes back from this hamstring, he's going to be fine. They're going to rest him until they're sure this time after the last setback. Fournette's going to carry them to the South title. And that defense should be able to carry themselves along the way as well. So Fournette, the Jags defense, should be enough to win the South. Don't panic in Jacksonville. It's not that time. You just had a little bit of an embarrassing loss. Don't worry. As a Raider fan, I know all about that. You'll be okay. All right, not messing around today. We're going to go with a little uh, George Carlin-inspired free-floating hostility. Let me just get a few things off my chest here. One, Odell Beckham, shut the fuck up. You are one of the worst diva receivers I've ever seen in my history, okay? Your team is 4-19 since you jumped on that dumbass boat. You have had one playoff game where you dropped consistently big passes that were right in your hands. Four touchdowns, even. Odell, sometimes you need to look at yourself. And over time, every year steadily, your targets went up, yet... Your yardage per game and your catch percentages went down. There's something to that, okay? You can't run around claiming to be this big-time receiver that wants all the easy passes. You called out your quarterback and your team for being low energy and not giving you free passes, so you had to work for your touchdowns. 
Dude, you wanted the payday. You got paid to do the job now. So you have to go take those quick slants and run your ass down the field 60 yards to earn the touchdown. There's not going to be any free plays here. So you can cut the auditions for Bellevue. You're not going to be committed. They're not going to give you any kind of medical leave that you need to get your ass off the sideline and stop fighting with the furniture, okay? The fan's not going to argue back. The kicking net is going to reject your damn proposal. Shut up. Suck it up. Play the damn game and score touchdowns. Because right now, even though you have some stats, your team is worse for having you. Speaking of worse for having you, can we all just agree that John Elway is just not that good of a GM? He's not that good in the front office. I beg of you, can we please come to this conclusion? At least, at the very least, can we agree that he is not some kind of quarterback guru that's going out there and signing all these great quarterbacks? He got lucky with getting Peyton Manning, and that was the right circumstance for the right time for Manning. That was nothing that Elway really did spectacularly. And then let's just look at the track record as we go. Keenum, underwhelming. He didn't want to go out and get Cousins. He, he couldn't get Cousins. He got Osweiler not once but twice. Everybody that wants to give him credit, oh, you didn't bring Osweiler back, you let him go. No, he tried to pay him like $16 million. And Osweiler turned him down to go to Houston for a little bit more. He wanted him. You have guys like Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. Guys like this that he's drafting, that he's using, that he's playing. Can we just please come to terms that John Elway is just shit at picking quarterbacks? And just to show that I'm a little bit fair and a little bit unbiased, Raider Nation, can we just lay off just a little bit on John Gruden? It's not that John Gruden has done anything to earn our trust back since he's been here. That is not why I'm asking you this. I'm just asking because clearly, Oakland fans, I'm sorry. I love you. You're my brothers and sisters out there. Mark Davis has abandoned you. Your city has abandoned you. I apologize for everybody out there that that has happened. But John Gruden doesn't give a shit about winning in Oakland, okay? Everybody is looking forward to make sure they have some semblance of a winning team when they get to Vegas. That is proven with the fire sale that apparently is going on in Oakland. And while I don't want to get rid of all the assets, I don't hate it. Listen, if they believe Amari Cooper doesn't have a passion for the game, get rid of him. Okay, that's fine. I don't want to get rid of him, but make sure the price is high. If people aren't willing to pay that first-round pick for a number one receiver, and yes, he is a number one receiver because he would be the best receiver on many teams in this league. It's just been inconsistent. If you're not happy with him, you see a better option down the road, Scoop up another first-round pick. But if someone's not willing to pay that price, you got to keep him. you got to pay the kid. Carl Joseph, he's done already. He's going to have to go. They're not going to get much in return. And this is the problem. The biggest problem is we need a Jasper O'Connor-esque pass rusher. Just a little bit of a humble brag here. My nephew plays a little bit of defensive line football. He had two fumbles and an interception. But the Raiders could absolutely use a defensive lineman like that. We need to be able to get to the quarterback because they are having all the time in the world back there and it is getting embarrassing. You cannot blame the secondary for anything that's happening. You can't blame Gary and Conley for not getting played 
and for not being able to get the job done because nobody is rushing the damn passer. Mo Hurst looks unbelievable. I cannot wait to see what he does for the rest of his career. God willing, it's a long one. And in silver and black. Arden Key, I love. He's going to grow into a very good pass rusher. But they are going to have to do something. Trade up picks. Get someone like a Nick Bosa. Or just get Nick Bosa. But you have to support the guy in what he's doing. Gruden came in. He doesn't love all of Reggie's draft picks. Reggie's a good money guy. But he's not, not always the greatest evaluator of talent. I would just like to clear up one thing, though, if I could. Can we please just stop giving Tony Dungy credit for John Gruden's Super Bowl. I've had enough of it. Every time anybody brings up John Gruden having a Super Bowl, it's, well, we all know it's Tony Dungy's Super Bowl. No, it's not. Because Tony Dungy had two playoff wins the entire time he was in Tampa Bay, okay? He was there for six years. He had two playoff wins. He was 54-42 and 42 with the team. He didn't do anything of consequence until he got to Indianapolis and had Peyton Manning running the entire offense for him. Peyton basically showed up and said, hey, take care of the defense. I got you on offense. Don't worry about it. We'll do some good things. And they did. They got one Super Bowl. So stop giving Tony Dungy all the credit for John Gruden's team. Oh, it was Tony Dungy's players. I understand that. And he coached them up very well. But John Gruden actually executed with the players. John Gruden actually brought them to the Super Bowl and won. And by the way, who did they win? This is a part that's conveniently left out. Who did Gruden's team beat in the Super Bowl? It was John Gruden's last team, the Raiders. It's not like John Gruden's last team were a bunch of bums. It was John Gruden's current team beating John Gruden's last team. And the reason they beat them so soundly was because they were too stupid to get away from Gruden's playbook. Thank you, Bill Callahan. And Gruden knew what the hell everything was going on. He knew the plays before they were running them. So, chill out with giving Tony Dungy all the credit for John Gruden's Super Bowl. He earned that Super Bowl. I don't even know if the Bucks would have won that Super Bowl if it was Tony Dungy versus John Gruden in that one. I've just had enough with that fallacy. It's John Gruden's Super Bowl. That's that. All right, next up we have a little bit of fantasy advice. This one's going to be short and sweet. I only have one buy for you, and it should be a very obvious one. Ito Smith, if you have not gone out and got Ito Smith, it's probably already too late. If you were a Devontae Freeman owner, I don't know what the hell you were thinking. Why didn't you pick him up? So, Ito Smith should be a touchdown magnet every week. There's nobody I'm hating enough this week to say that I'm going to sell, so I'm not going to sell out of petty malice. I'm just going to leave it where it is. But I will give you guys a little bit of advice. Listen, if you're first place... In fantasy, if you're running high, don't let off the throttle now. Because it's way too early. You haven't clinched the playoffs yet. It's not going to be that way for a while. You're not bulletproof. Take a step back. Reevaluate your team. Make sure you're where you need to be for the long haul. And make sure you're putting in the right starters every week. Because if you start to pick up a couple of losses now, then those could be very important losses down the road. So just a reminder, do not take your position as an early leader in the league for granted, you can easily fall off. And to the opposite point, if you're in last place, don't give up yet. But you can't be stubborn and just sit here and think, well, I'm going to keep doing the same thing. I'm not going to make any moves. Guy, you're in last for a reason. You're in second to last for a reason. What you're doing isn't working. You have to make a drastic move. 
If you have one big piece that you're clinging to and the rest of your team hasn't been working out, do what you have to do. Fill in with a couple of other guys and try to scrap together a team that's well-rounded with depth and not a superstar. You don't always need a superstar, a Todd Gurley, to carry you. It is nice, but it's not necessary. So remember, that's your fantasy term of the week. Nice, but not necessary. Get yourself some depth. And lastly, we have our fourth quarter comeback power rankings of the week. So I'm going to be starting off at number five, which will be the Baltimore Ravens. As I've said before, they have the number one defense in the league. They're a top 10 offense currently. I don't know if that'll last, but they're at least a top 15 offense overall. They're four and two, and this week they have a very big matchup against the New Orleans Saints. They're going to have to do their best to shut down that running game and Drew Brees if they want to get to five and two. Next up at number four, we have the New England Patriots. As I said earlier, I like the Patriots. I think their offense is coming on strong. I don't love their defense, but Belichick, Brady, Patriots, they should be able to do enough to take their 4-2 record, finally get ahead of Miami, and start to stay there. They do have a really interesting matchup with a not-LT, at least according to Bill Belichick, Khalil Mack-led. Chicago Bears, that should be a good battle of offense versus defense. Next up, I have number three, the New Orleans Saints. As I said, they have a huge matchup against the Baltimore Ravens this week. Two of my top five teams playing each other, so that should get a little separation here. They're 4-1, and one. they had a bye week, and I like the Saints. I like them a lot. You know they were Rick's number two team last week. With that, there was really no reason to move them along with the bye. Number two, no change here. Even though they took the loss against the Patriots, I still have the Chiefs at 5-1. and one. They go against Cincinnati this week. But listen, Mahomes, Reed, they just have such a good setup right now on offense. Their defense is absolutely terrible at allowing yardage. I believe it's a historically bad yardage mark. They're going to have to start to improve on that if they want to get ahead. But for now, 5-1, and one. the offense has been moving along with Pat Mahomes. He's been protecting the ball not as much the past few weeks, but he's been pretty damn solid. I do like Tyreek Hill just running all over the field. He's damn near as close to unstoppable as anyone can be in the league right now. And that brings us to our most solid power-ranked team of the season, the Los Angeles Rams. 6-0, undefeated, no signs of stopping. They go against division rival San Francisco this week. Even though it's a division game, I don't see C.J. Beathard and the 49ers getting it done. The Rams should be 7-0 and still my number one power rank team next week. I look forward to seeing them in the playoffs this year and seeing how far they can actually go because the Rams are definitely something special. That said, they have been dealing with a couple of wide receiver injuries. Cooper Cup is going to be out, so that could spell maybe the beginning of some kind of downfall for the Rams if New Orleans could somehow sneak ahead and steal home field from them. That would be huge. And there you have our fourth quarter comeback power rankings of the week. And there you have our very short but very sweet show. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you enjoyed the games this weekend. Not too good of a matchup this week on Thursday with Arizona and Denver. I won't be picking a game there as I am completely biased as to who I want to win. That would be Arizona. But other than that, a great slate of games on for this Sunday. I look forward to it, and I look forward to hearing from you all on Twitter, at 4QC Show, 
at Six Pack Pat with the number six and at Rick Red Zone. We did get a lot of feedback actually from our quarterback debate last week. A lot of people are very torn on the issue of if Drew Brees is top five. I would say the swing would be that yes, he is a top five. That was a consensus out there. But I do thank those that were on my side saying it wasn't a guaranteed thing. And they aren't the only ones I thank. I want to thank you, the audience. Thank you. Gracias. Tusen tak for our Swedish fans out there. I cannot explain how much we appreciate any and all listeners. And until next week, I leave you with a very serious parting shot. We'd like to offer our condolences here from the fourth quarter comeback. Seattle Seahawks owner recently passed away, Paul Allen. Rest in peace, and God bless you and your family.